so so reader this is the press release announcing this from march and uh april monday april 26 2021 the department of justice announced an investigation into the patterns or practices of the louisville jefferson county metro government and louisville metro police department okay then on august 4th uh, 2022, then on August 4th, 2022, you have the uh, announcement of charges against the four police officers, against police officers, okay? Four officers involved in Breonna Taylor's killing face charges. Now, this is a separate, so the investigation into the patterns or practices of the police department, uh, Louisville Metro Police Department, that is a separate investigation from this right here okay this one here they announced charges against these four officers so i want to go to the press conference that took place uh august 4th and you're going to hear attorney general merrick garland and then you're also going to hear uh kristen clark who is the uh assistant attorney general of the civil rights department good morning everyone Earlier today, I spoke with the family of Brianna Taylor. This morning, they were informed that the Justice Department has charged four current and former Louisville Metro Police Department officers with federal crimes related to Ms. Taylor's death. Those alleged crimes include civil rights offenses, unlawful conspiracies, unconstitutional use of force, and obstruction offenses. The four defendants were charged through two separate indictments and one information. I'm going to begin today by discussing the civil rights offenses that stem from the falsification of a search warrant. We allege that these offenses resulted in Ms. Taylor's death. These charges focus on the conduct of the Louisville Metro Police Department's Place-Based Investigations Unit. In the first indictment filed today, we allege that in early 2020, that unit was investigating suspected drug trafficking in the west end of Louisville. On March 12, 2020, officers from that unit sought five search warrants they claimed were related to the suspected drug trafficking. Four of those warrants targeted properties in the west end where that activity was allegedly occurring. A fifth search warrant was for Brianna Taylor's home, which was approximately 10 miles away from the west end. The federal charges announced today allege that members of the Place-Based Investigations Unit falsified the affidavit used to obtain the search warrant of Ms. Taylor's home, that this act violated federal civil rights laws, and that those violations resulted in Ms. Taylor's death. Specifically, we allege that Ms. Taylor's Fourth Amendment rights were violated when defendants Joshua Jaynes, Kyle Meany, and Kelly Goodlett sought a warrant to search Ms. Taylor's home knowing that the officers lacked probable cause for the search. We allege that the defendants knew the affidavit in support of that warrant contained false and misleading information and that it omitted material information. Among other things, the affidavit falsely claimed that officers had verified that the target of the alleged drug trafficking operation had received packages at Ms. Taylor's address. In fact, defendants Jaynes and Goodlett knew that was not true. We further allege that defendants Jaynes and Meany knew the search warrant would be carried out by armed LMPD officers and that conducting that search could create a dangerous, dangerous situation, situation for anyone who happened to be in Ms. Taylor's home. As outlined in the charging documents, the officers who ultimately carried out the search at Ms. Taylor's department were not involved in the drafting of the warrant and were unaware of the false and misleading statements it contained. When those officers executed the search warrant, Ms. Taylor was at home with another person who was in lawful possession of a handgun. When officers broke down the door to Ms. Taylor's apartment, that person, believing that intruders were breaking in, immediately fired one shot, hitting the first officer at the door. Two officers immediately fired a total of 22 shots into the apartment. One of those shots hit Ms. Taylor in the chest and killed her. 
We allege that the defendants knew their actions in falsifying the affidavit could create a dangerous situation, and we allege these unlawful acts resulted in Ms. Taylor's death. The charges announced today also allege that the officers responsible for falsifying the affidavit that led to the search took steps to cover up their unlawful conduct after Ms. Taylor was killed. We allege that defendants Jaynes and Goodlett conspired to knowingly falsify an investigative document that was created after Ms. Taylor's death. We also allege that they conspired to mislead federal, state, and local authorities who were investigating the incident. For example, we allege that in May, May 2020, 2020, those two defendants two met defendants in a garage, in a garage where they, where agreed, they agreed to tell investigators, investigators a false, a false story. story. The indictment the separately alleges that defendant meaning lied to the FBI during its during investigation, investigation of this matter. matter. Another, Another indictment, indictment filed, filed today, today alleges, alleges that, that after, after Ms. Taylor, Ms. Taylor was shot, shot Another, Another LMPD, LMPD officer, officer defendant, defendant Brett, Brett Hankison, Hankison, moved from the doorway, from the doorway to the side of her apartment, apartment and fired, fired 10, ten more shots, shots through a window and a sliding glass, glass door, door, both of which were covered with blinds and curtains. curtains. Defendant Hankison has been charged with two civil rights offenses, alleging that he willfully used unconstitutionally excessive force while acting in his official capacity as an officer. Assistant Attorney, Attorney General, General Kristen, Kristen Clark, Clark will speak, will more, speak more about, about that, that aspect, aspect of the case. Of the case. As in As any in case, case, the charges the we announced today are allegations, allegations, and all defendants are presumed innocent until proven guilty, guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. Before I close, I want to thank Assistant Attorney General Clark, her team in the Civil Rights Division, and the case agents at the FBI for their tireless work on this case. We share, but we cannot fully imagine, the grief felt by Brianna Taylor's loved ones and all of those affected by the events of March 13, 2020. Brianna Taylor should be alive today. The Justice Department is committed to defending and protecting the civil rights of every person in this country. That was this department's founding purpose, and it remains our urgent mission. Attorney General Clark. Assistant Attorney General Clark. Since the founding of our nation, the Bill of Rights to the United States Constitution has... Let me just pause, pause it right here for a second. For all those people like Alan who say, who posted here, an indictment is not the same as a conviction, so don't jump and click your heels yet. How the hell do you get to a conviction without an indictment? You have to have an indictment first before you get to a conviction. This is a huge step. Talk to Breonna Taylor's mother. Watch the press conference that attorney uh, Benjamin Crump did along with Breonna Taylor's mother. That's a huge relief to her. Yes, it's not a conviction yet. You can't get to a conviction without an indictment. The Department of Justice is, is doing something that Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron was too too much of a coward to do, to indict these officers. The only reason why you have this indictment is because 81 million people voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. 61% of Joe Biden's votes came from white people. That was 49 million votes. And then uh, there were 20% of his votes came from African-Americans. That was 16.9 million. 12% of his votes came from Latinos. That was 9.7 million. If this, this, this indictment would not have happened under the Trump administration. You can't get to a conviction without an indictment. This is, this is, this is a huge step forward because the black attorney general of Kentucky, who's a Republican, was too much of a punk coward to indict these officers. Let's continue. Let me back this up for a minute. Since the founding of our nation, the Bill of Rights to the United States Constitution has guaranteed that all people have a right to be secure in their homes. 
free from false warrants, unreasonable searches, and the use of unjustifiable and excessive force by the police. Breonna Taylor should have awakened in her home as usual on the morning of March 13, 2020. Tragically, she did not. She was just 26 years old. As Attorney General Garland just stated, today's indictments allege that Louisville Police Detective Joshua Jaynes and Sergeant Kyle Meany drafted and approved what they knew was a false affidavit to support a search warrant for Ms. Taylor's home. That false affidavit set in motion events that led to Ms. Taylor's death when other LMPD officers executed that warrant. The Fourth Amendment of the Constitution ensures that people are subject to searches only when there is probable cause supporting a search warrant. Falsified warrants create unnecessary hazards for the public and for the police who rely on facts that fellow officers report in carrying out their public duties. The indictment alleges that by preparing a false affidavit to secure a search warrant for Breonna Taylor's homes, defendants Jaynes and Meany willfully deprived Breonna Taylor of her constitutional right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures. And we allege that Ms. Taylor's death resulted from that violation. In a separate indictment, the grand jury charges former LMPD Detective Brett Hankison with using unconstitutionally excessive force during the raid on Ms. Taylor's home. Without a lawful objective justifying the use of deadly force, defendant Hankison traveled away from Ms. Taylor's doorway to the side of the building and fired 10 shots into Breonna Taylor's apartment through a bedroom window and a sliding glass door that were both covered with blinds and curtains. Community safety dictates that police officers use their weapons only when necessary to defend their own lives or the lives of others, and even then, that they must do so with great care and caution. Today's indictment alleges that Hankinson's use of excessive force violated the rights of Breonna Taylor and her guest, and also of her neighbors whose lives were endangered by bullets that penetrated into their apartment. Attorney General Garland often underscores that at the Justice Department, we are to follow the facts and the law. And today, after a full and comprehensive investigation, the facts and law have brought us here to these indictments. I want to commend our team who spent hundreds of hours gathering facts regarding this tragedy. No stone was left unturned. These indictments reflect the department's commitment to preserving the integrity of the criminal justice system and to protecting the constitutional rights of every American. Independent from these criminal charges, a separate team from the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division is conducting a civil investigation into whether the Louisville Metro Police Department is engaging in a pattern or practice of law enforcement misconduct. We're looking at whether the LMPD uses excessive force, improper searches, or racially discriminatory policing. That ongoing investigation is separate from today's charges. In closing, I extend condolences to Breonna Taylor's family and loved ones. Today, we acknowledge the loss of her life. We recognize her dignity and recommit ourselves to the pursuit of justice. Um, two questions, really just two. Um, <laughs> I was wondering if you could just elaborate a little bit on sort of the top line things that you're finding in the pattern of practice investigation so far. And secondly, this question is for the AG. Um, with Brittany Griner's trial likely wrapping up shortly in Russia, do you expect Ms. Griner and Trevor Reed to be traded for Victor Bell, and do you support such an exchange? Do you expect other prisoner swaps? Three questions. 
You know I was counting. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll take the second question. All I can say is, as the Secretary of State has said, that Ms. Greiner uh, was unlawfully uh, detained. Uh, and beyond that, I really can't comment. I'm going to let um, Assistant Attorney General Clark answer the question about the pattern of practice investigation. Our investigation, in our pattern or practice investigation into the police department is ongoing. Our team has been on the ground conducting interviews with stakeholders, members of the police department, engaging in ride-alongs, uh, reviewing documents and data. Uh, we will share more once that investigation has concluded. Yes, thank you. Um, the, none of the, uh, the only officer in Louisville who has faced charges locally was acquitted, and that's Brett Hankinson. Did the uh, Justice Department feel compelled uh, to step in, in part because they, you believe justice was not served on the local level? And do you believe the fact that uh, prosecutors did not charge any of the officers except Hankinson and he uh, was cleared of those charges will make your case more difficult? Um. The Justice Department brings charges, uh, including charges where uh, they've been brought before, when we believe uh, substantial federal interests have not been vindicated and need to be vindicated. This case charges uh, violations of federal offenses. Obviously, the state did not, um, and that explains our de determination in this case. Do you think you'll make it more difficult, though, that this, that this, this uh, Hank Hankinson was acquitted and the other folks were not sure. I have every uh, degree of confidence in our prosecutors and, and investigators in this case. Catherine here, CBS News. Attorney General, was there a piece of evidence or a witness that really drove the department's decision to fast track the Breonna Taylor case? Well, this investigation has been uh, going on um, uh, urgently. It's run by career prosecutors and investigators. Uh, it's a complex case, uh, as you can even tell by the uh, three charging documents we filed today. And uh, today is the day when we were ready to bring those charges. If I could, a news of day question. Um, the grand jury here in Washington has issued subpoenas for top members of the Trump administration. Is there a window to bring charges in that investigation before the midterms? This is something I can't comment about. I'm sorry. Mr. Attorney General, uh, does Donald Trump, as a former president, have any ability to block testimony of, witness, me, of witnesses who are testifying in a criminal grand jury investigation by asserting executive privilege? No, I'm afraid I'm going to give you the same answer I just gave, which is I'm, I'm not uh, able to comment about that. Thank you. Does any you. former president? Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. So that was uh, the press conference that took place. Um, Thursday, August 4th, 2022. That is from the Department of Justice YouTube channel. I encourage people to go to the Department of Justice YouTube channel because all the press conferences and things like that are there. We have to become more educated saying stupid things like an indictment is not the same as a conviction. We we know that, but you can't get to a conviction without an indictment, you simple Simon ass. Don't come here with that nonsense. Go somewhere else with that. This this indictment is monumental. An indictment would not have happened under the Trump administration. Um, okay, so my mom doesn't like me saying simple Simon ass, but <laughs> some people just need to be caught. Sometimes you just got to call it like it is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, so uh, 914-338-1375, 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, press the number one key to put you in queue so it can bring you on the air. Um, 910 a.m. Superstation WFDF and not broadcasting live tonight. I found that out when I called into the radio station to do the show. <laughs> I talked to Jalen, my board operator. I called him at home. <laughs> And he said he sent out an email earlier this week saying that the, uh, they, they weren't going to be live tonight. I I don't know. I missed the email. Okay. <laughs> I missed the email. I did um, I did uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered on Tuesday. I did Reverend Al Sharpton's radio show Wednesday for two hours. I did Roland Martin's show again on Friday, my normal Friday slot. And I, I missed the email. Okay, now I want to go back to this article here from the Washington Post very quickly. And then I want to get to 
a little bit of the history of the Department of Justice because the Department of the U.S. Department of Justice was created in 1870 during Reconstruction, and it was created largely to enforce the rights and protect the, the new rights of African Americans in this country during Reconstruction. If we look at this article here from the Washington Post, NBC News, ABC, they have articles on this as well. So those articles you can read for free. I have a, you know, I pay my, I have, I have um, paid subscriptions to all these different uh, news outlets, New York Times, Washington Post. I just got a new subscription to Time Magazine, uh, National Geographic. I just paid them. So um I monitor about 35 different news sources on a daily basis. If we go to page two of this, page three, it looks like page page three of this article here from uh, Washington Post, four officers involved in Breonna Taylor's killing face federal charges. If we go to, uh, I want to go to page three and the paragraph dealing with uh, the federal indictments. Let's see, let's scroll down here. Uh, this okay. So this is uh, from the press conference. So you t you tell Brianna Taylor's mother, uh, Tamika Palmer, that this indictment doesn't mean anything. You tell her that. That's not what she said at the press conference. This this indictment is huge. Um, the federal indictments described officers from the Louisville Police Department's uh, place based investigations unit as pursuing a reckless narcotics trafficking case in the city's West End, a reckless narcotics trafficking case in the city's West End, alleging, uh, allegedly conspiring to false, to falsify information on a search warrant affidavit, allegedly conspiring to falsify information on a search warrant affidavit, even though they knew it could place occupants of Brianna Taylor's apartment in danger, even though they knew it could place occupants of Brianna Taylor's apartment in danger. Now, this is officer, uh, former officer Joshua James. Um, okay, and this is officer uh, Sergeant Kyle Meany. Now, in the first indictment unsealed on Thursday, prosecutors allege that uh, Joshua James and uh, Sergeant uh, Kyle Meany, uh, Joshua James, 40 years old, Kyle Meany, 35, relied on false, misleading, and outdated information, relied on false, misleading, and outdated information in seeking the warrant. Although Officer Joshua James did not participate in the actual raid. He sought to pressure colleagues afterward to make misleading statements to investigators. He sought he, he, he sought to pressure colleagues afterwards to make misleading statements to investigators that the indictment alleges. Now, uh, Officer Kyle Meany, Sergeant Kyle Meany, is accused of, false, of, of falsely telling FBI agents that a provision in the affidavit seeking a no-knock warrant was included at the request of the Louisville Police SWAT unit, okay? He's accused of falsely telling FBI agents that a provision in the affidavit seeking a no-knock warrant was included at the request of the Louisville Police SWAT unit. Now, a separate Justice Department charging document accuses Officer Goodlett of conspiring with Officer James to falsify the search warrant and cover up their actions afterwards. To falsify the search warrant and cover up their actions afterwards. Attorney General Merrick Garland alleged that Officer Whitlett and Officer James, J-A-Y-N-E-S, met in a garage after Breonna Taylor's killing and conspired to lie to investigators about the circumstances that led to Breonna Taylor's killing. They're going all in this. This was hundreds of hours of investigating 
this case, investigating the killing, putting all these pieces together. Now, Officer Hankinson, who's 46 years old, is accused of willfully using unconstitutional force for firing shots through Breonna Taylor's patio door, which was covered with blinds and a blackout curtain during the raid. So he couldn't see what was inside. He's just shooting. He's just shooting inside. He fired 10 shots. If I remember correctly, he fired 10 shots. Uh, this is according to the second indictment. He is also accused of depriving several residents of nearby apartments of their rights after bullets punctured the walls of their units. Now, if convicted, Officer Hankinson faces a maximum sentence of life in prison since the violation he is charged with resulted in death or involves an attempt to kill since the violation he is charged with resulted quote in death or involves an attempt to kill now according to, uh, according to the justice department now the obstruction uh the obstruction counts carry a maximum sentence obstruction obstruction of justice obstruction of justice carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison and the conspiracy counts and false statement charge carry a maximum of five years in prison. Now, Officer James was previously fired by uh, the Louisville Police Department for allegedly violating department policies and preparing the warrant for Breonna Taylor's uh, home. Now, Yvette Gentry then the interim police chief wrote in a pre-termination letter that officer James had lied when he wrote in the warrant application that he had verified through a U.S. postal inspector that Brianna Taylor was getting packages related to alleged drug activity of her ex-boyfriend. So the officer allegedly lied when it came to this information. Officer Janice had uh, in the pre-termination letter from the then interim police chief, Yvette Gentry, uh, um, he, uh, it stated that uh, when Officer Janice wrote in the warrant application that he had verified through a U postal inspector that Breonna Taylor was getting packages related to alleged drug activity, uh, the, the pre-termination uh, letter is stating that he lied when he stated this. Now, Stan Matt, Stu Matthews, who was Officer Hankinson's defense attorney in the state trial, okay, declined to comment on Thursday, August 4th, saying he does not yet know whether he will represent the former officer in the federal case. An attorney for Janice, uh, James uh, did not immediately respond to a request for comment. It was not immediately clear whether Officer Goodlett and Sergeant Meany have attorneys, and they're going to need them. Now, Jim Pasco, PASCO, Executive Director of the National uh, Fraternal Order of Police, said his organization is working to ensure that the defendants receive due process in the federal case, noted that Hankinson was acquitted in his state trial. Uh, yeah, but the, the trial of Hankinson was dealing with wanton endangerment, and he was only charged with shooting into the uh, neighbor's apartment. That's, that's all he was charged with. He wasn't charged with uh, anything dealing with the killing of Breonna Taylor. So nice try, uh, uh, Jim Pasco, executive director of the National Fraternal Order Police. Nice try with that BS that you're trying to run. Uh, okay, so read the rest of this here. They talk about the press conference. I watched the press conference. We shared it on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network that Brianna, uh, that uh, uh, attorney Benjamin Crump had that, that, that day after the announcement of the charges. At a news conference, Tamika Palmer, Brianna Taylor's mother, told uh, reporters that while the Justice Department action, department's action is satisfying, the circumstances of her daughter's death at the hands of, of the police remain painful. She said, I waited 874 days for today, I've waited 874 days for today, and it's here now. Okay, now you tell her 
that this indictment does not matter. We know an indictment is not a conviction. I mean, come on, get out of here with that nonsense. But you tell her, you go tell Breonna Taylor's mother, who's waited 874 days for these thugs to be indicted, that this doesn't matter. All right. So check out that article from uh, the Washington Post. Now, the Department of Justice was created in 1870. The Department of Justice was created in 1870 during Reconstruction, largely to uh, enforce the new rights of African-Americans. So there's, there's a good article from SmithsonianMag.com that deals with this. And then also there's information on the Department of Justice website. And I encourage everybody to go to justice.gov and um, all the press releases and things like that dealing with the Department of Justice are at their website. OK, but there's a um, let's see, there's a piece here. Uh, we got right here. OK, justice.gov. When you go to about uh, there's an about section dealing with the Department of Justice. Look at this quickly. Then I want this article here from uh, SmithsonianMag.com. We're going to squeeze in these other articles. I'm looking at start. I, I think I'm going to start doing a uh, Wednesday show, also 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on my social media platforms and Blog Talk Radio. We're on 9, 10 a.m. WFDF Sundays, 9 p.m. 11 p.m. But there's so many topics. I was doing radio five six days a week, but they weren't paying me to do radio five six days a week, so I'm cutting back to one day. I can do two days. We could do Sunday and Wednesday. I can't do five. I can't do five six days a week. Um, it's too. It's too much work. Too much of a financial strain. But we can do a Wednesday show because we have new advertising rates as well. Email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. Ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. And we have three new advertising rates, and you can advertise with the African History Network and with our platinum package. Um, we'll take our ads on our Facebook fan page and market to our one million. Facebook followers uh, to help promote your business or service. Okay, so email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. So uh, if we look at this information here from the Department of Justice, this is uh, about DOJ. So just go to justice.gov, click on the about uh, section. The mission of the Department of Justice is to uphold the rule of law, to keep our country safe, and to protect civil rights. Um, if we go here, to, okay, so the Office of the Attorney General was created by the Judiciary Act of 1789 uh, as a one-person part-time position. The act specified the, uh, that the Attorney General was to be learned in the law with the, uh, with the duty to prosecute and conduct all suits in the Supreme Court in which the United States shall be concerned and to give his advice and opinion upon questions of law when required by the President of the United States, President of the United States, or when requested by the heads of any of the departments touching any matters that may concern the department. So this is the Office of the Attorney General was created in 1789, but the Department of Justice wasn't created in 1870. It goes on to say, however, the workload quickly became too much for one person, necessitating the hiring of several assistants for the attorney general. As the work steadily increased along with the size of the new nation, private attorneys were retained to work on cases. By 1870, after the end of the Civil War and Civil War well, April 9th, 1865, uh, General Robert E. Lee, Robert e. Lee surrenders to uh, Major General Gordon Granger, I mean, uh, Ulysses S. Grant at, uh, at Appomattox Courthouse, uh, April 9th, 1865. But for all practical purposes, um, the Civil War really comes to the end of August of 1866 when um, President uh, Andrew Johnson declares it officially ends, okay? Because terms of surrender had to be negotiated with the smaller Confederate armies, like General Joseph E. Johnston's army of uh, Tennessee and uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, uh, his army, things like this. So the um, army that um, um, General Robert E. Lee had, 
of Virginia, that Confederate army was the largest Confederate army, but it was not the only Confederate army. So terms of condition to terms of surrender had to be negotiated with each one of those individual smaller Confederate armies. So it's going to be August of 1866 that the U.S. Civil War officially comes to an end. Now, uh, a concerned uh, Congress passed the act to establish the Department of Justice, creating an executive department, creating an executive department of the government of the United States with the attorney general at its head. So the first uh, attorney general under the Department of Justice was uh, Amos T. Ackerman in 1880. Officially come existence on July 1st, 1870, the Department of Justice was empowered to handle all criminal prosecutions and civil lawsuits in the United States had in, uh, in, in which the, the United States had an interest, uh, all criminal prosecutions and civil suits in which the United States had an interest. To assist the Attorney General, the 1870 Act also created the Office of the Solicitor General who represents the interests of the United States before the U.S. Supreme Court. The 1870 Act remains the foundation for the department's authority, but the structure of the Department of Justice has changed over the years with the addition of the offices of Deputy Attorney General, Associate Attorney General, and the formation of various components, offices, boards, and divisions. From its beginning as a one-man, part-time position, the Department of Justice has evolved into the world's largest law office and the chief enforcer of federal laws, okay? So you can read the rest of this information here. This is at uh, the uh, justice.gov, which is the U.S. Department of Justice official website. It's in the about section, and it deals with the, the history of the Department of Justice coming into existence in 1870 during Reconstruction, okay? Now, if we look at this article here, and we'll post this link here, Shonda, Shonda Johnson-Williams said, appreciate you. Thanks, Shonda. Um, and also, if you want to support the African History Network, because all this don't happen through osmosis, um, if you want to support the African History Network, you can do so, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me, me forward slash the AHN show. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, pay the bills, uh, et cetera, pay for all these services that I use. So when you tune in to the African History Network show, uh, the show is on because somebody pays some bills. OK, so we have the information right here uh, on the homepage of our new website that I built and paid for uh, the African History Network show. Uh, dollar sign, and this is our official cash app account, dollar sign, the AHN show. When you go to it, it says Michael shows my picture there. I'm still trying to get these fake African History Network cash app accounts shut down. Uh, I launched the investigation about two and a half weeks ago with cash app. And I'm going to follow up with them tomorrow because I'm still these these people have been stealing money from us. So I'm trying to get them shut down. So we have the information right on the homepage of our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. If you go to um, our old website, africanhistorynetwork.com, it'll redirect you to the new website. The new website is much easier to use. It's user friendly and it shows up very well on your smartphone and your tablets. Okay, now there's a good article from um, Smithsonian. Um, and this is one of the I don't have to pay a subscription to the Sonia Mag, but all these other sources, I got a, a resources and news outlets I have to pay uh, a subscription to. Uh, like New York Times, Washington Post just paid New York Times today. <laughs> As a matter of fact, okay. Uh, created 150 years ago. Created 150 years ago, the Justice Department's. Uh, first mission was to protect black rights, okay? Created 150 years ago. Okay, I, th I think they're trying to get me to pay for something. It's like, y'all, it's like, hold on. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. All the all the services I spend money with, I'm about to renew a subscription to, uh, somehow my subscription with Britannica.com expired. 
and I use Britannica in my online classes. So I've got to renew the subscription to Britannica tomorrow. Somehow that expired. I don't know how that happened. But um, let's look at this article here. And this deals with some more of the history of the, of the U.S. Department of Justice. This is from SmithsonianMag.com, which is the official website of the Smithsonian Institute. Uh, created 150 years ago, the Justice Department's first mission was to protect black rights, African-American rights. Now, how many people knew this before you heard me talk about this? Okay. This is one of the reasons why this show, this show, this show matters. This is one of the reasons why understanding our history is so important. And this was during Reconstruction, okay? In the wake of the Civil War, the government's new force sought to enshrine equality under the law. In the wake of the U.S. Civil War, 1861 to 1865, the government's new force force sought to enshrine equality under the law. Now, this article is from July 1st, 2020. Okay. Now, this caricature here is uh, the White League and the Ku Klux Klan. Okay, uh, a cartoon by illustrator Thomas Nast. Uh, Thomas Nast shows a member of the White League, the, another domestic terrorist organization, the White League, uh, and a member of the Ku Klux Klan joining hands over a terrorized black family because the Klan wasn't the only one. You had the Knights of the White Camellia and the Red Shirts and the White League. We see the White League involved in the uh, Clinton, Mississippi Massacre, 1875. Also, the Yafala Massacre in Alabama, uh, 1874. And if you take my online class that I normally teach on Sundays uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968, we deal with all this in that um, 10-week online course. We, we have that information. You can register for that at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Now, Amos T. Ackerman was an unlikely figure to head the newly formed uh, Department of Justice. In 1870, in 1870, the United States was still working to bind up the nation's wounds torn apart by the U.S. Civil War. During this period of Reconstruction, 1865 to 1877, the federal government committed itself to guaranteeing full citizenship rights to all Americans, regardless of race. And during Reconstruction, African-Americans were showing America to actually have a democracy because uh, you have had a rewriting of uh, state constitutions like the Alabama uh, State Constitution of 1867, which was one of the uh, Reconstruction state constitutions. And uh, it's going to be in in Alabama, they're going to create a public school system um, that allows all children to go to school for free, regardless of uh, race or ethnicity. So in African-Americans were saying that Everybody should be able to go to school uh, for free, regardless of race, including white children. If you look at this article here from the Zen Education Project, November 5th, 1867, Alabama State Constitution. So this is during Reconstruction. okay? November 5th, 1867, Alabama State Constitution. On November 5th, 1867, delegates in Montgomery, Alabama, which is the capital of Alabama, Uh, They gathered to draft a new state constitution as required by the Reconstruction Acts, as required by the Reconstruction Acts. Prior to the Reconstruction era, no southern state, let's blow this up, prior to the Reconstruction era, no southern state had a state-financed public education system even for white people, okay? It's going to be African-Americans during Reconstruction that advocate for this state finance public education school system for everybody. African Americans were showing America how to have a democracy during Reconstruction. Alabama's new constitution established a centralized board of education, a centralized board of education 
and mandated that schools receive 20% of state revenue. By 1871, nearly 55,000 African-American and 87,000 white children were attending public schools. By 1871, nearly 55,000 African-American and 87,000 white children were attending public schools. One of the delegates, uh, delegates to the convict conviction uh, was James Rapier, who promoted an alliance between freed uh, people and poor whites. Because a lot of because a lot of white people were destitute after Reconstruction, okay. And and when you look at the Freedmen's Bureau created in 1865, it was called it the was U.S. Bureau of Freedmen, Refugees, and Abandoned Lands. The U.S. Bureau of Freedmen, Refugees, and Abandoned Lands, because the the Freedmen's Bureau wasn't just helping helping African Americans and, and former slaves; it was also helping poor, destitute white people as well. Now, the advances from the Constitution ended in Alabama and elsewhere with the brutal attacks on Reconstruction and the rewrite of the state of the Alabama State Constitution in 1875. OK, so uh, uh, ch check out this article here from the Zen Education Project. November 5th, 1867, Alabama State Constitution. All right. So this is during Reconstruction which is an extremely important period of time in the history of this country, but it's a period of time that's taught very little in schools. If we look at this article here from Time Magazine, and uh, this article, because I pay you the Time Magazine, um, a new report finds that 45 states are failing to teach students about the period that shaped race relations after the Civil War. All right, now this is an article from, we've talked about this a number of times here on the show, and I use this article in my classes as well. This article came out January, uh, what was it? January 12, 2022, a year and six days after the January 6, 2021 insurrection that was reminiscent of the political violence that helped bring about an end to Reconstruction. In the aftermath of the insurrection a year ago, January 6, 2021, at the U.S. Capitol, Many leading historians, as well as Michael M. Hotel, drew parallels between the violence and that we saw January 6, 2021, incited by Benedict Donald, the traitor in chief, and the Reconstruction era, the period of political revolution directly following the American Civil War. Now, Eric Foner, who's one of the leading historians on the Reconstruction era, and he's a Pulitzer Prize winning historian and author of the book Reconstruction. America's Unfinished Revolution, 1863-1877, he said in an interview with the, the New Yorker, published a week later, he said, quote, the events we saw reminded me very much of the Reconstruction era and the overthrow of Reconstruction and the overthrow of Reconstruction, which was accompanied or accomplished, I should say, by violent assaults on elected officials by violent assault on elected officials. Weren't those domestic terrorists yelling, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence? Weren't some of those domestic terrorists looking for uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and looking for other elected officials? What brought an end to Reconstruction, one of the things was violent assaults on elected officials. Now, scholars say studying the aftermath of the U.S. Civil War can help put in context many of the most seminal events in the U.S. in recent years, from the brutal murder of George Floyd by police in 2020 to the voter suppression laws enacted after African-American voters, along with Latinos and 49 million white people, played a big role and in, in, in voted uh, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris into office, but especially African-Americans, 16.9 million African-Americans voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But despite the timeliness of the era in today's climate, many students in American schools will not get a full education of reconstruction until they get into college. But many of them are not going to go to college. 
So how did they learn about the Reconstruction era? This is a crucial period of history, okay? In social studies standards, for 45 out of 50 states in the District of Columbia, discussion of Reconstruction is partial or non-existent according to historians who reviewed how the period is discussed in K through 12 social studies uh, standards for public schools nationwide, okay? In, in social studies standards for 45 out of 50 states and the District of Columbia, the discussion of the reconstruction era is either partial or non-existent for K through 12 studies. And the report produced by the education nonprofit, the Zen Education Project, which is the, 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 the entity that that article dealing with the 1867 Alabama Reconstruction Constitution came from that I just showed you. And the report produced by uh, the Zen Education Project, the studies, the studies authors say they are concerned that American children will grow up to be uninformed about a critical period of history that explain that helps explain why full racial equality remains unfulfilled today. So basically, they're gonna grow up to be just as ignorant as their parents. Because many of their parents don't know, and they're not teaching it to their children. This is why America must have a massive history lesson, especially if we think we're gonna get reparations. If you're going to get any type of reparations, America must have a massive history lesson to understand how all this is connected and how we're still dealing with the legacy of slavery, Jim Crow segregation, redlining, housing discrimination, things like this, and how African-Americans are still affected today. OK, now let's go to um, let's go back to this piece here from. I want to go to this piece here from. Um, Smith, uh, go back to the article from the Smithsonian Institute, then we're going to get to some of these other uh, stories very quickly here. So the, uh, back to this article here from SmithsonianMag.com. Created 150 years ago, the Justice, Department's, the Justice Department's first mission was to protect black rights. And this is from uh, July 1st, 2020. Now, at the forefront of that effort, Amos T. Ackerman, the first uh, attorney general under the Department of Justice, he was a former Democrat and enslaver from Georgia and a former officer in the Confederate Army. At the first, at the forefront of that effort was uh, Amos T. Ackerman, a former Democrat and, en and enslaver, slave owner from Georgia and a former officer in the Confederate Army. Though the United States had an attorney general since the formation of the federal government in 1789, none had been empowered with the full force of a consolidated legal team quite like, quite like Amos T. Ackerman. And none had, uh, none had had the monumental task of enforcing the 14th and 15th Amendments to the U.S. Constitution and new legislation delivering long overdue uh, rights to 4 million formerly enslaved African-American men and women. So this was the task of the Department of Justice. This department's work on behalf of the emancipated population was so central to its early mission that Amos T. Ackerman established the department's headquarters in the Freedmen's Savings Bank building. And the Freedmen's Bank created in 1865 also as an act of Congress during Reconstruction, okay? In the immediate wake of the Civil War, Amos T. Ackerman, a New Hampshireite who had settled in Georgia in the 1840s, looked to the future, leaving the Democrats for the Republicans and prosecuting voter intimidation cases, you have voter intimidation cases today. He prosecuted voter intimidation cases as a U.S. district attorney in his adopted state of Georgia, reflecting on his decision to switch his allegiance to the party of Lincoln, Amos T. Ackerman said, 
quote, some of us who had adhered to the Confederacy felt it to be our duty when we were to participate in the politics of the Union to let the Confederate ideas ideas rule us no longer. Some of us who had a who had adhered to the Confederacy felt it to be our duty when we were to participate in the politics of the Union to let Confederate ideas rule us no longer. Regarding the subjugation of one race by the other as an uh, appurtenance of slavery, we were content that it should go to the grave in which slavery had been buried. We were content that it should go to the grave in which slavery had been buried. Now, uh, Amos T. Ackerman's work caught the attention of President Ulysses S. Grant, okay, who was a general in the uh, uh, Civil War, Union general in the Civil War, Ulysses S. Grant, who promoted the uh, Georgian to Attorney General in June of 1870. On July 1st of 1870, the Department of Justice cre uh, created to handle the onslaught of post-Civil War litigation became an official government department with Amos T. Ackerman at his helm. The focus of his 18-month tenure as the nation's top law enforcement official was the protection of African-American voting rights from the, from the systematic violence of the Ku Klux Klan. Amos T. Ackerman's Justice Department prosecuted and chased from Southern states hundreds of Klan members. Now we know that in October of 1871, because of the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, which is the third of the four enforcement acts during Reconstruction, we know that um, you're going to have uh, President Ulysses S. Grant declare martial law in nine uh, counties in South Carolina, okay, to crack down on Klan activity. Okay, this takes place, this is because of the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, which gave the, uh, it passed by Congress and it gave the authority to the president to declare martial law um, when, when it came to uh, elected officials being uh, threatened and those uh, carrying out their official duties like uh, poll workers and things like this, okay? All right, so historian William Mc, uh, McFeely, in his biography uh, of Amos T. Ackerman, wrote, quote, perhaps no attorney general since his tenure has been more vigorous in the prosecution of cases designed to protect the lives and rights of black Americans. Perhaps no attorney general since his tenure has been more vigorous in the prosecution of cases designed to protect the lives and rights of black Americans. Okay, read the rest of this article here um, from uh, smithsonianmag.com. And this deals with the uh, creation of the, uh, of the Department of Justice uh, to enforce the uh, rights of African Americans. Now, it goes on to say, um, Indeed, white Democrats in South Carolina, the, the state that fired upon Fort Sumter to start the Civil War, which is April 12, 1861, would lead the post-war campaign to maintain the white supremacist empire. The Ku Klux Klan founded in Pulaski, Tennessee on December 24, 1865, Christmas Eve, had entrenched itself in uh, upcountry South Carolina counties by 1868. African-Americans newly emancipated now comprise the majority of voters in the state of South Carolina. The majority of, of voters in South Carolina during Reconstruction were African Americans, and the majority of the state legislature in South Carolina was made up of African American men. Okay, uh, African Americans newly emancipated now comprise the majority of the voters in the state of South Carolina, 
and most voted Republican, the party led by President Ulysses S. Grant, that was safeguarding their lives and rights. That was safeguarding their lives and rights. Um, re uh, so it goes on to say, in reaction, now this deals with the cold fact, this lithograph here, this caricature is dealing with the Colfax massacre of 1873. Okay. So check this out also. This is from Harper's Weekly, May 10th, 1873. Now, in reaction to uh, the racial violence, the U.S. Congress passed what's known as the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, which President Ulysses S. Grant signed into law on April 20th, 1871, providing Amos T. Ackerman, the Attorney General, unprecedented tools to subdue the Ku Klux Klan. The Ku Klux Klan Act authorized the President of the United States to submit the writ of habeas corpus, that means going to court, having your day in court to defend yourself, which allowed the Justice Department to detain suspected Klan members keep them in custody and not immediately bring them to trial. Okay. This allowed the department of justice to detain uh, suspected Klan members, keep them in custody and not immediately bring them to trial. The department of justice could also withhold disclosure of the identities of suspects and the evidence against them which allowed Attorney General Amos T. Ackerman to make mass arrests and gather evidence without the parties conspiring with each other. Using these tools, Ackerman, Attorney General Ackerman, obtained hundreds of convictions in South Carolina and throughout the South against these Klan's members. Now, author Ron Chernow, in his, in his own Ulysses S. Grant, uh, reports that on one day in November 1871, 250 people in one South Carolina county confessed their affiliation with the Ku Klux Klan. One would think that uh, Attorney General Amos T. Ackerman's record of success would have pleased President Ulysses S. Grant, but the president relieved Ackerman of his duties in uh, December of 1871. The common explanation for the for the dismissal is that Ackerman, who uh, author Chernow describes as honest and incorruptible, scrutinized the land deals struck between railroad barons and the U.S. government. OK, now McFeely put the blame on the nation's attachment to white supremacy, quote, men from uh, the north as well as the south came to recognize uneasily that if he was not halted, Amos T. Ackerman, if he was not halted, his concept of equality before the law was likely to lead to total equality. So according to author McFeely, Amos T. Ackerman was doing his job too well of prosecuting Klan's members and domestic terrorists. Okay, read the rest of this article here. Uh, fascinating piece from the uh, Smithsonian Mag dot com official uh, website of the Smithsonian Institute uh, in, in their magazine, official magazine of the Smithsonian Institute created 150 years ago. The Department of Justice, uh, I'm sorry, created 150 years ago, the Justice Department's first mission was to protect black rights. The Department of Justice's first mission was to protect black rights. So the work that uh, Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark is doing Assistant Attorney General of the Civil Rights Department and the uh, press conference that she and Attorney General Merrick Garland had uh, August 4th, uh, announcing charges against four officers in the killing of Breonna Taylor. They are operating in that tradition of why the Department of Justice was created in 1870 through an act of Congress during Reconstruction. All right, we're going to take a break here. How's everybody doing? Share this broadcast on your social media platforms. Uh, you're not going to get this type of information from many other places. Uh, you can support the African History Network. Uh, if you like this type of information we share with you, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. 
Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. It says, let's keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills, etc. Also register for the online history classes I teach uh, normally on Saturdays and Sundays, but we have a, a class uh, coming up on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, August 9th. Uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we're going to do a session of uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, because I was I couldn't do it this past weekend because I was at uh, the Obama Weekend Festival at the Barack Obama Leadership Academy here in Detroit that uh, James Ford uh, organized. Okay, so we had him on the show last Sunday to talk about it. But you can go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the class. This time we're going to do 13 sessions instead of 10. As soon as you register, you can uh, watch the previous classes. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch it anytime. And then also we have um, uh, on Sundays, normally I teach uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. These classes are on sale $60, regularly $130, okay? Um, and when you, we, we also have a bundle pack, so you can register for both classes for $100. That's a, over a $300 value that you get for $100. So do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. So a year from now, two years from now, you can go back and watch the entire class, okay? All right, so we'll take a quick break, and uh, you're watching the African History Network show here on our social media platforms. We're also broadcasting on uh, Blog Talk Radio, uh, our Blog Talk Radio channel uh, today, which is uh, the African History Network show on uh, at blogtalkradio.com. And uh, you can give us a call, uh, 914-338-1375. Let me post the call-in number here. This is the call-in number for tonight's show only. Because uh, this is our Blog Talk Radio call-in number, uh, 914-338-1375. Press the number one key to put you in queue uh, so we could bring you on the air. Or you can call that number and just listen to the show as well. Normally, we're on 910A on the Superstation WFDF. But um, they had a scheduling conflict, so they're not broadcasting live tonight. So I found that out when I called into the station to do my show. They sent out an email earlier in the week. I was so busy. I, I missed the email. I talked to Jalen, my board operator, tonight. He said, hey, they sent an email early in the week. I'm like, man, this week was a blur. Okay. I was on. I did Roland Martin's show on Tuesday for two hours. I did Reverend Al Sharpton's radio show, Keeping It Real, for two hours on Wednesday. I did Roland's show again on Friday had projects I was working on this week and I had to get ready to, uh, to be at the uh, Obama weekend festival as well. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 